Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. It is Angie Austin and friends. Got the God Squad here. Got Dr. Joe Arve here. We've got Cindy Marsh, uh, Beatrice Bruno, the Drill Sergeant of Life, and also Jennifer Bishop. You know, last show we had a kind of a big debate about the uh, boy Boy Scouts allowing girls in. We figured out that it's a separate troop that the girls are not integrated with the boys per se. And I mentioned that my dad uh, is a huge fan of the Boy Scouts, and that he told me a story about being a leader when he moved to Missouri and how he integrated. Uh, you know, did an integrated troop and how he was bringing boys from one side of the tracks where they didn't have electricity, where the African-American kids were, and then the white kids basically, you know, per se, on the other side of the tracks. And so I asked Dad, and I, many, many of you heard, have heard our story about what a great grandpa he is. Dad's been back in my life for about five years, and we have a really nice friendship. Uh, really love him and my stepmom. And so I thought, why not have Dad call in and talk about that? Hey, Dad. I'm doing great. So dad's in his 80s. So dad, I've got all my buddies here. And one of my best friends, Beatrice, we always laugh. We say that we're sisters from another mister because she's black and I'm white and she's tall and I'm short. She was in the military. I'm so not military. I'm more into getting my hair curled and wearing false eyelashes. So we're like polar opposites, but the best of friends. And I was telling her uh, and uh, you listening, I was telling you about, uh, you know, my, my dad's experience with the Boy Scouts and how much you loved them and why you loved them. So, and you've gotten a little emotional telling me about what happened when you moved to Missouri when you were younger man you mind sharing that with us well yes when i moved to missouri uh i was teaching in fayette missouri and they didn't have any blacks in the troop and uh, it was uh, like you said uh, there was no electricity there was no paving the black church was a very small one in fact uh, let me interrupt just a minute that this girl that you call your sister she really seems like an interesting uh, woman. And, well, uh, thank you, Dad. And I've adopted you as my dad now, so you can't get rid of me. <laughs> and what, what's your name again? Beatrice. Beatrice. Be, 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 Beatrice? Beatrice? Yeah, Beatrice. Uh-huh. Wow, cool. Well, nice to meet you, ma'am. <laughs> and so uh, I uh, had a black boy integrated into the, into the white troop. And that was a, it shook a lot of the parents up. And I was about to lose my my whole troop there, but, but it worked out okay. And, uh, of course, at that time it was living in a racist society. The uh, black folks, uh, black people couldn't sit in the theater. They had to sit in the balcony. They had to eat. Uh, outside of the restaurant in the alley. In other words, it was segregated and racist America. Uh, there was a white sheriff that was always uh, getting juries, white juries, to convict black uh, persons. And uh, it was just a really, really racist community. And it was, I guess it's a terrible experience 
for anybody that's never had that situation so, before. So, Dad, you hadn't grown up around that kind of environment. This was new to you. Why was it so important to you that you go across the tracks and make sure that these young uh, African-American boys, these young black boys, that they were given the same opportunities? Why, why has that brought you to tears at times when you've told me about that? Why was that so important to you? Well, it was just one uh, young black boy. He was 12 years old, and I was very fond of him. And uh, he was just a good kid. And uh, I I've felt then that it was wrong. And I'm glad to see that the Boy Scouts of America is always progressing and seeking to make, uh, you know, uh, correct kinds of, of uh, decisions. And they've just made one. And I think that it will turn out to be pretty good. You know, I counseled Riley to get into Boy Scouts. That's my son. He He's talking about. decided uh, not to do it. Well, he, he has been in Boy Scouts, and Dad, I'll take full responsibility for that. I, I couldn't handle one more thing, and we had to sell popcorn, so I finally yeah. threw in the towel. But we did do it for three years, and he got a lot out of it. Um, and that but, was Cub Scouts, though. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I wanted to say was, you know, in terms of justice and you know, growing up in an environment, because dad, dad dad, was, my parents didn't get divorced till I was 12, so that's the kind of environment I was brought up in. There was never, like, I'd never heard derogatory words for people of other colors. We never were taught to treat anyone differently. You know, Dad, you're in your 80s, so you lived in those eras where people were treated differently. What, 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 what did your family teach you that made you never treat people? You never discriminated against people. What, what were you taught? Why, why do you think you were like that? That that was important to you because you almost got kicked out of the Boy Scouts for letting you know an African American boy in. So why are you like that? Uh, I guess I was brought, I was living in Maine for the, my first thirteen years or so, and. Uh, it was never, we didn't have many blacks in anything. And then I moved to Colorado and it was the same thing. We had a black president of our high school when I was a junior. The, he was a senior, Charlie Holland. And so it was very rare that I ever had any experiences with black. And uh, there was a black family down the road from us. And uh, the fellow... Jimmy, Jimmy was his name. He was a pitcher. He's very good, but he couldn't pitch, uh, except uh, you know they'd hire him in as a ringer because he was black. It was well. How come? He couldn't have gone how do you, to the major well, leagues? In so other words. your family never taught you that. Obviously, you never taught me that either to treat people differently. So that was important to you. And I have to say, Dad, I always tell everybody, tell all my friends here, what a good grandpa you are. You sure have taken this kind of second chance or whatever to be, you know, a positive influence on the grandkids very seriously. Why has that been so important to you? Because you've, you know, really taken the bull by the horns and you call them every weekend. You reach out to them. We try to get together. Why is that? Why have, why have you taken that opportunity so seriously? Well, because your kids are really sharp. <laughs> you know, Riley is one of the sharpest kids I've ever uh, dealt with. I will with. second and that. He's so, he's so multi-talented in athletics that he's, you know, he's frightening. I just hope he doesn't get into, you know, like some kind of a problem like opioids or something, something that ruins his life. And then, of course, the two girls, Hope and Faith, they're both unbelievable as well 
and your kids are just so talented. Why do I take interest in them? Because they impress me so much. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm, I'm so impressed to be their grandfather. Well, love you, Dad. Appreciate you uh, giving us feedback on the Boy Scouts and being a good grandpa. Appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, daughter. Thank you, Dad. Thank I love. Hey, I'm, I'm going to love both of you guys now. You have to send me a picture of, of my new. Aww. We will do that. The daughter that you never knew until now. (laughs) The new daughter. All right, thanks, Dad. Left out. You You too. Bye, Dad. You know, it's funny because you know you you wonder, well, why does he bring up you know opioids or drugs or whatever? Because two of my brothers, it really was life ruining for them, you know, to get involved with drugs. So it worries him. He brings up that stuff too. You know, my son now with marijuana legal, Mm -hmm. letting him know like this isn't something you want to mess with. Your brain's not formed. Like you can't touch these things. Don't get involved with that because Dad suffered his own heartache at seeing you know two Mm -hmm. of his own kids really Mm -hmm. uh, get lost, one murdered and the other really just destroyed his life for. Drug addiction. So, one. And what an interesting change of topics now because Rachel Maines is joining us. And Rachel is my friend uh, from Channel 2. She was my floor director. We prayed together and we actually bonded over. Uh, you know, our childhoods and our faith. And uh, we were just talking to my dad, as you heard, and talking about how he's concerned about kids getting involved with drugs. And my brother was murdered. Rachel, your brother was murdered. My uh, One of my other brothers became a drug addict. And your sister, who's clean now, became a drug, drug addict. And so you and I really bonded over that we had escaped our childhoods pretty much unscathed, per se. Right. And our faith was really the saving grace for both of us. Welcome. Yeah. Well, happy to be here. I love you, Angie. and love you too, little friend. Just blessed that we met each other at Channel 2. I mean, news can be kind of, you know. Negative. Negative, yeah, to say the least. So I was just thankful to have someone to pray with. Yeah, and we prayed before the show, so that was neat. So the God Squad is still here, and we are going to talk about something that really relates uh, to uh, uh, something Rachel does now. She has a show right here at Crawford Broadcasting as well. So tell everyone about your music show real quickly, and then we're going to listen to a choir if it's gone viral and their kids. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I host Corner Cafe with Jamie Daniel and it's cornercaferadio.com if people want to find out more. Um, it's on our sister station 95.3 FM 1220 AM and we just share the story and heart of an artist. So we have music artists on. We also have had painters on authors just to get to know their heart and their faith. Love that. All right now Beatrice you uh, just to kind of rope you in here. You sang in the military right? I did. I was yeah. stationed with the United States Army Europe Band and Chorus over in Germany. You'd probably be a good uh, a good uh, guest for her show. Now, can you still sing, Beatrice? I don't know. Y'all be course, the judge yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, let's hear something. <laughs> let's hear something. Just give us a little uh, snippet. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her. Through the night with the light from above. I knew she oh, could still that. sing, by the wow. way. I just did that just for fun. Yeah, you're, just, you're going to come on the show, okay? okay. <laughs> I, I will not be singing. Never. Free, free guest bookers. All right, Dave, do you, want, do you want to set up this uh, choir that went viral? Sure, this is a really cool clip. It's uh, about this um, inner city choir, the school, um, and these kids have soul they oh, uh they so basically and they're like in the lunchroom where they're singing yeah they just and it's went not viral. the best acoustics and these kids they're only like 10 11 years old and this uh actual the audio is from a rehearsal they were getting ready to sing for i think the mayor of baltimore 
and uh, I guess when they got and actually did the performance, they blew everyone's socks off, but um, the better recording was from their rehearsal, so it's really and, cool. And so but the funny thing about this is imagine like the lunch tables all around and the kids in this, you know, it's kind of grungy, you know, a lot of kind of a little bit, uh, I don't know, lunchrooms just aren't known for their ambiance, <laughs> and they light up this room. Take That's a listen. Cool. Oh, cool. A routine rehearsal transforming into something magical. Sounds of inspiration that are America strong. Here's ABC's Gloria Riviera. These are the boys and girls from Baltimore's Cardinal Sheehan School Choir. Even in rehearsal, they sing their hearts out. Our purpose, I think, is to make people happy when we sing psalms. Sensing something special, choir director Kenyatta Hardison shared the song, Rise Up by Andre Day, on Facebook Live. Millions agreed. Everyone really started calling in, and it was like, you all are famous. And I said, what? They was like, you are viral. The children's promise to rise up unafraid, touching so many, finding hope in their young, sure voices. Yeah. It touched me where it gave me hope, it gave me the strength that I needed to keep on fighting. It reminded me of um, how important it is to keep on singing, even when things get bad. When it came time to take the stage for real, rise up. the kids nailed their performance. But for millions who already had a sneak peek at rehearsal, they'd already hit the perfect note. Oh, Lord. Chills. Sing that chills, song. chills, chills, chills. <laughs> That's all right now. Mm. Wow. Love Is it. that Love not it. so cool? Mm. Purpose to make people happy through their music, through our music. So we try to do the good news. Right. So it might not, might not sound as good, but that's our purpose, too. Absolutely. We're in the message business, message of hope. Oh, amen. Love that. And that, that. song is so appropriate mm. for those kids. Um, yes. the, the video, if you've never seen the video on um, YouTube, you've got to watch the video. There's this one where um, the young woman is getting her husband into the shower he 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 sends her a message he's a, a paraplegic from the military and he does um he does the little message on the computer at night can i take you out to dinner tomorrow and Aww. so the next morning she has to get up she has to dress him she has to to undress him to put it in the shower he she has to shower him she has to dress him to go out and stuff and during this Andrea Dade is singing this song, I Will Rise Up. Oh, it's just absolutely awesome. And that's just, yeah, it's a powerful song. It really is. That's my theme song for 2017. Yeah. I Will Rise Up. I think yeah. Dave's got some more of the raw that he's going to play for us. I do. I do. I just okay. need to test this. But I just, um, as as he um, gets that ready, because the, the raw, I, I just love hearing these kids sing. It kind of circles back around to what my dad was talking about at the beginning of the show. Here you got these kids in school in Baltimore all getting opportunities that my dad was saying he was seeing them not get when he was a young man doing the Boy Scouts. And I love it that he loved this little boy, this little African-American boy, Amen. and that he put, they almost kicked him out as a leader. I mean, he was really involved in the, in the Boy Scouts. And at that time, all those years ago, he was almost kicked out over that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, I'm happy to say, yes, we still have a long way to go in our country, uh, but we have come a long way. It's so interesting. I grew up in Colorado and 
we had people of every color creed. Yeah, this my, is not a racist state. I no, I, I'm like, like all. I mean, well, she's making a so, face. So I, She'd know but better. I didn't that's the thing. grow I don't, up. I don't want to, we didn't grow up with it. Jim, right. That's what I'm aren't. saying. But what Beatrice is saying with that look on her face is yes. we may not be, but there are other people who are. Yes. And I'm very aware of that. And my husband and I went to Memphis on a business trip oh, years ago, years and years ago. And we were sitting at a lunch with a white man and he said some racial joke. And I said, uh, uh, uh. And he told oh, my yes. husband, you better calm your wife down. And I said, uh, excuse me, wow, he wow. doesn't own me. And I will not let you degrade people like that. He, he said but the see, C we, word coon. But, but and see, I was like, uh, uh, see, we sometimes I think we're, we need to not be fearful of standing up for what's right. That's right. Sometimes Amen. we just go, when you keep your mouth shut when something inappropriate is said, you, they think you agree with them. Yes. yes. They think, is isn't that true? All right, let's hear a little bit more of this. Mm. I love I mean, and wow. they're, they're little kids. Like yeah. They're like 10-year-old. They're elementary school age kids, like yes. right in that age range. Yeah, that's powerful. We need this right now in our country. It's been really divisive. And so I think this kind of helps us to kind of take a breather and relax. And it says, you know, in the Bible, from the mouth of babes, you know. So yes. little kids showing us the way. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And it's also changing the thread of our thought process and culture. And I know even in my own life, I'm native to Colorado, and I was born and raised here. And I came through a family that my dad was very prejudiced. And really? We, yes. And I was not allowed to have friends that were of any different color. And interestingly enough, my brother, my sister, and I, none of us see color to this day. Wow. And, um, 
we if we were just raised on the cusp of that and thank god we did not buy into that Amen. Mm-hmm. but um yes and so i can i can see both sides and i can feel for both sides and i'm so thankful that i don't see color yeah I, um, as you can tell, I guess I am luckier than I thought, you know, hearing from my dad who had his own demons to fight with alcoholism and then, you know, me not having him for like 30 years in my life from the age of, you know, 12, uh, you know, on until about five years ago, at least I didn't get, you know, I can look, count the blessings of being brought up in an environment where I wasn't taught hate. Amen. That's good. And that's what we need right now because believe it or not, is still there. Oh, I know. And it's just, it's horrendous that we're still living with this now. You know, it's 2017. We got three years left for 2020. All right. We're still there. We'll be right back. The good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670kltt.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the good news. Still have my God squad here. Author and speaker Beatrice Bruno, the drill sergeant of life. Jennifer Bishop is here. Rachel Maines, my uh, uh, my colleague from Channel 2. We worked together. We were prayer partners, and now she has her own uh, show, Corner Cafe. She focused on artists. And Cindy Marsh, my, uh, my basically my sister in life. <laughs> Sometimes you don't get a sister or you don't get a good sibling, so then you pick one that's even better. Amen. Right? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, so, Angie. Love you, girl. I <laughs> love you guys, too. I'm so lucky to have you all. All right. So let's get back to the show. She is yours is the title of the book, Trusting God as You Raise the Girl He Gave You. Whether it's girl or girls, raising girls is certainly different than boys. Boy, my Ugh. husband sure is hard on my son, comparatively speaking to the girls. I'm like, what on earth? Why are you so hard on him? And the girls, sometimes, they need it. They need the tough discipline as well. Jonathan and Winter Pitts are joining us uh, to talk to us about their book, She is Yours, Trusting God as You Raise the Girl He Gave You. Welcome to Jonathan and Winter. Thank you, Angie. Thank you. All right, so uh, why don't you just give us a synopsis, your one-minute elevator speech, if someone says, what is She is Yours about? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, uh, She is Yours is really a mindset. Uh, I guess we have four daughters, age 13, all the way down to eight, twins at eight years old. And one of the things we've learned over the years in parenting our daughters is that um, there's a mindset that we've developed and that we have and that we are um, advocating that other parents have that your daughter is God's first, and that he's given, to her, he's given her to you as a, as a gift from him to steward well, but ultimately knowing that she is his first um, is really the mindset you need to have in parenting girls. Changes your perspective on every, almost everything that they face. It just completely shifts how you think about it and, and what you 
how you move forward. Winter, how did it change your perspective, like up, knowing that your daughter or daughters, that they're the Lord's first, how does that change your perspective? It really put me in a place of surrender um, where it's not, you know, whether it's their behavior or their grades or their attitudes, whatever it is that I'm dealing with um, with them, it's not necessarily what I want or what I think is, is best for them or what makes me feel most comfortable, but really just believing and trusting, like, okay, I have to put myself aside right now and really see what God is trying to do here and wants to teach them or grow in them in their lives. That's a lot of girls. So how do you spend time with them? And boy, I mean, I've got three kids and I think about just the drama and the outside influence of the world. They're not homeschooled. Like, how do we how do we navigate the bat the adverse influences that are coming at our girls lightning speed like my daughter loves uh christian music but then all of a sudden a school for a, a song from school that she likes she'll put on and um she'll even say like oh don't use that one that's got the bad language you know oh, it's not the clean one <laughs> yeah yeah that's not the clean version so how do we it's like we can't wrap them in bubble bubble wrap how do we keep um, more good going into them than the bad that's really out there in the world but sometimes we can't control yeah, Angie, we like to say, um, as you know, a lot of times as parents, especially Christian parents, we play defense, trying to keep them from what the world has to offer. But right. ultimately, as parents and Christ followers, we want to give that we want them to play offense. Okay. So we really kind of cast a vision and paint a picture of what does it look like to play offense with our children and with our daughters specifically. And you know, one of the things this phrase that Winter has is she, she you know, she calls it "Yes, girls," that we want our God's girls that say yes. So ultimately, our goal is to try to get our girls to say yes to the vision that God has for them, which ultimately means they're saying no to things, but it's more proactive in the nature and how they do that. And Ooh, yes, um, girls us, really that say yes to God. Big... So yes, girls that say yes, yes to God. So you're really saying no to a lot of things in the world because you're saying yes to God, but it's a little more positive than go out in the world and say no to everything and be careful and watch out for bad people and say, no, you don't want to swear and no, you're not going to wear that. No, you're not going to drink that. No, you're not going to eat that. Exactly, exactly. And it also just, just helps to shift the thought that, you know, it's not necessarily what the world's influence will be on them, but it puts them in a position to say, like, God actually has created me to have an influence on the world around me. Ooh, like um, and so then it's, it's them, you know, what can they bring and what can they offer and what, what, is the, their, what is it that their friends need to hear from them and not necessarily what their friends are saying. Well, how just, can they be a positive to, influence on others? Yeah, but because God has given them things to share. And, um, you know, we can spend a lot of time just kind of feeling hopeless and being worried that, that they're going to be impacted. But when we really just say, actually, you know what, I'm preparing you to have the impact, then it just, mm-hmm. it just puts us in the most powerful position, and it just gets me excited to think, like, actually, I'm, I'm raising girls that will make a difference because – because we're saying that they're guys, and he's going to do something amazing with their lives, and uh, well, we just need them to, to uh, walk in that. I'm looking at the picture of Jonathan and Winter, and you look super young, by the way. So I can't even imagine, Jonathan, like baby after baby <laughs> after baby, you going for the ultrasound. Like, a girl, great. Second one, a girl. Uh, another girl? Okay, great. Uh, third girl, uh, oh, Great. Uh, fourth girl, oh, wow, this is a lot. That's great. But, I mean, what a responsibility. Exactly, Beatrice has uh, exactly raised. exactly what it sounded like. Yes. <laughs> Beatrice has raised, raised, raised uh, four kids. Uh, Beatrice, uh, I'm, I know you've got questions about this, um, and uh, these girls are so stinking cute. That's a responsibility, though, for Jonathan. I mean, that's a lot to take on. I mean, my husband is a dude. So, like, having four girls or even, you know, the two that we do have, Hope and Faith, along with my son, that's 
that's foreign territory to him. And your your husband yeah. married into a couple of these kids, Beatrice. Do you have any questions for Jonathan and Winter? Well, my thing is, I um, raised my oldest daughter by myself for a long time until she was about 16 years old. And then my husband and I got married and I got the two boys. And then we had our youngest daughter, EJ. And um, it's a big difference between raising boys and girls. I, I can guarantee you that. But now, with you, what is your perspective then on raising all these to be godlike young women from the beginning? Okay, because you know they don't see that in school. Right. You know, it's interesting because um, I think what happens, and, and even the heart behind when I first started even writing in this ministry, I have a ministry called For Girls Like You, mm-hmm. and the heart of that was, there's, you know, all these things for mommy and me, these baby, we, we get them yes, on their babies. Yes, it's so true. These, it is. It's not daddy and me. It's mommy and me. You're right. That's what they have, those classes. And yeah. Right. We have all these classes, and I remember having babies strapped to my back and hmm. another one in the shoulder, and we're doing mommy and me gymnastics and all these things. And then they start school, and it just kind of gets quiet for a while. And then what I was seeing was a lot of my friends with older kids were then having to step in and try to try to reach them and save them. But they we spent all these years in between where, you know, they just go to school and play sports and do whatever. And so my heart is just is that to kind of stay and walk alongside them the entire journey from the time that they're wrapped around my back and we're singing Mommy and Me songs to the time when they're six and I walk them into kindergarten to the time when they're eight and, you know, I'm doing all these things. And then when they are 13 now, like my oldest, that we still just have this ongoing um, relationship and I have an, an ongoing influence um, in her life. And I would say as a dad, from my perspective, you know, one of the things I say in the book, and I say it all the time, is to the degree that we show Jesus in our, in our nature and we mm-hmm. show them what Christ likeness looks like in, in our example will be to the degree that they actually see uh, Christ represented, and it's the only one we can control. We can only control us. So one of the things that um, we always uh, talk about is, like, our maximum influence is shown through our lives, and they're watching us. And I love that as a dad mm-hmm. because I get to be the example of Christ like. Yeah. fatherhood and Christ-like husbandry and, you know, just Christ-like, what does a man look like? Right. I remember when my daughter, my oldest, was six years old. She saw a guy walking down the street, and uh, he just didn't look well-kept. And she said, Daddy, I, I don't want to marry a guy like that. And it's not so much about what he looked like <laughs> as much as it was about she saw the example in me that looked different, and they noticed the differences. And as a you, dad, yes. I get to play that example every day. So, And I also just yeah. add, it also gives us a chance to show them um, what grace looks like because mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. do it perfectly. None of us do. Yep. But so in that modeling, you know, the best that we know how Christ to them also brings us to our knees with them to say, hey, I'm not, you know, this is God needs to help me with this, or I'm sorry I didn't do that well. You know, it just, it just humbles all of us and gives us um, a chance to really, show them how much we really rely on Christ's grace in our lives. Amen. So uh, this is Jennifer. I, um, I have a question for you. Thank you first for writing this book. And so I'm a mother of an only son who's 19, a Marine reservist. Um, m- my background is I have four older brothers. They're all uh, biological. Who, by the way, adore her. So <laughs> they, they have the four boys. This is just Jonathan and Winter. Just an idea for you. They had the four boys. They adopted the fifth, the only girl, okay? <laughs> Who was the favorite? Who was the favorite? Hey, now, hey, now, hey, now. No, no. So my question for you is, so I have this only son, and I, I so I have never really been around girls and women that much, except for it was me and my mom. And so how are you teaching your daughters, like, the interaction with, with young men? Because you said your oldest is 16? 
right? 13. 13. Our oldest is 13. Oh, gosh, um, I gave her three years. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. I'm not taking those away. So, what, like, how are you integrating, you know, raising these young ladies with the world of boys and, you know, uh, sure. with that? Mm hmm well, thankfully, we have, uh, they have a slew of boy cousins mm. that are all the exact same age as them and a little bit older and a little bit younger. So we've been able to do that. And a whole lot bigger. Yeah, a whole lot bigger. They have a ton of cousins. And what we've tried to do is just really expose our girls, not only like with boys, but just in life, like to the reality of what life is like. So we try not to like, you know, we talk a lot about helicopter parents in the book. We try not to be that. We try to really expose our daughters. So thankfully, though, their cousins are right there and they're with them pretty much every week. So Yeah, and I think just, I mean, it's funny because now the 13-year-old, you know, like, I remember growing up and just feeling like boys, like, was, it was just a bad word in my house. Like, I couldn't say it. And I just don't want my girls to feel that. So the more that I'm open with them and just if, if she's, you know, think somebody is cute or whatever, we talk about it. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also, that also allows me to be able to pour into her and say like, you know, oh, I can't wait to see, you know, what God has for you. God has an amazing husband on mm -hmm. for you. That's his plan for your life. So it just gives me a chance to, to dream with her and be excited about it. Um, and hopefully in that open and honest conversation, she just always knows that she can just come and talk to me and I'll, I'll listen and share. But then, you know, at that same time, just put God's perspective on it that, you know, boys are for marriage and for later and for, you know, yes. us to mature. And that's not our focus right now with 13. But, no, right. you know, that that is something that we will, you know, will be mature enough to handle when the time is right. And just you kind know, of walking alongside her and not trying to avoid it, but just being a part of that. I giggle because my pastor friend whose daughter is a teenager, they have this deal where if she's at a sleepover or something and she feels uncomfortable that she can just call him or text him. Like I have a code with my son that he can text me, so the kids I don't know what he's up to. Yes. Yeah, we have so that. he yeah. he'll even say when he's leaving because remember our code, mom. Remember our code because then he never has to get out of anything. Right. I can help him. But in the case of my pastor friend, uh, he just says to his daughter, um, you know, that no questions asked. I just come get you. And he said she went to a um, a sleepover and uh, that she called and that he went to go get her and she was standing with her sleeping bag and all her stuff on the corner and she got in the car and that was that. Hmm. That he didn't ask any questions. She didn't say anything. They, they didn't, they, they, she didn't want to discuss it then. She just wanted to leave and she wanted to be safe. And I love the idea that they don't have to be nervous about telling you about their friends or what happened. I mean, they might want to later, but that she just got in the car and they drove away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. No. I love that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Some, I think that's where prayer comes in because we can't, we can't. And I, I love, you know, in the book that you're talking about, God's first, God, they're God's. And there's, there's times we want to be amazing parents and be there for everything, but we can't. There's no way we can be there for everything. And that's when we're ha on our hands and knees and we're praying to God, protect our babies, protect our babies, protect our babies. Yeah, we, we actually break the book up into three sections, her relationship with God, her relationship with you as her parent, and her relationship with the world around her. And we believe that we need to be praying, and all those three sections break Amen. down in different chapters, but the reality is those three different areas are ones that we have very little control over when it comes to ultimate. So we just that's where we're asking God just to join us, her relationship with you. We need you to reveal yourself to her. Her relationship with me as her parent, we need you to be gracious and help us understand what we should be doing and her relationship yeah. with the world around her. There's so much we can't protect them from and so much we won't, won't be there for, and we just have to trust them back to God. Otherwise, we live in constant anxiety as parents, mm -hmm. and I see why a lot of parents are there without the Lord. Amen. I have yeah. a question. 
Um, it's Rachel here, <laughs> and I'm a single, and I don't have any kids Hi, here. Hello. Yeah, and if <laughs> you are you single and you're Christian, you're handsome, yeah. Rachel would like you to also oh. uh, check out her show, <laughs> Corner <Joey> Cafe. <laughs> yeah. But my question for you guys is how would you prepare, or what, what piece of advice, one advice, if you will, to a single person um, about kids or having a kid? What would you say? To prepare her. To prepare you know, I don't find a guy do, first know, would be my first advice. I find a good Christian <laughs> man. That's my well, that's a good one. Instagram that's a good one. messages and see, you know, who replies. But then when it comes to just kids or life in general, I just think, and not to be super spiritual, but I think the only way that you can prepare is just to continue to grow spiritually yourself. Is just to continue to just mature and seek God and just uh, and just grow because then that's the only way. Because even now as parents, that's what we're still doing is mm-hmm. just growing. And so the more you can just, you know, start doing that, I think you're just in a better position to, to handle um, the different things. Because I don't know that you can be completely prepared because it, it's all different. Each kid is different. What they bring to the table, what they need from you is different. So the only thing you can do is just kind of grow and just be prepared to, to handle, yeah. to handle uh, whatever it is. And I would add to that, you know, one of the things that we, uh, I don't know if you guys know this or if it was in the material, but, our oldest daughter, Alina, was in the movie War Room. She's 13 now, but she was 10 when she was in the movie. And we actually went to prayers for this book um, uh, a year prior to her getting cast in that role. And we had wow. no idea then what God had lined up. You know, we wow. just had no idea. So I would just say pray because you have no idea. Winter always says that, you know, you never know. Like the biggest thing that God might want to do in you is actually through your children. Uh-huh. Wow. So um, wow. we never would have imagined our daughter would be in this, I mean, this incredibly, I mean, number six Christian film of all yes. time. I love mean, just wow. having a huge influence. Love, love, love. But yes. just, just be praying. Obviously, every story is not that story, but ultimately God has big things planned for your children. And, it's, it's, and it may it's have nothing not really to do with you except, the, you know, we're raising them, you know. All right, yeah, Beatrice, right. we're almost out of time. It's a huge responsibility, you know, yeah. Amen. So, yep. I've got one more question. This is Beatrice again. I was raised in the South, and I, I noticed that you didn't have a chapter or a section in there that says her as your best friend. Okay. Yeah, no, we don't. Thank you so <laughs> yeah. much, and I really appreciate yes. that. Amen. Because I, 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 I'm so yeah. sick of, of parents saying, oh, that's my best friend right no, there. My child is no. my best friend. No. Because we are parents. We were um, commissioned by God to be stewards over these children. So there's no way we can be their best friends. Exactly. Yeah, we actually have a line in the prayer. There's a main prayer called She is Yours. And in that prayer, there's one line that says, I surrender my desire to be her best friend. Thank you. Amen. There's nothing wrong with friendship, but no? it's got to no. be submitted to, you know, your That'll happen when they're adults. Yeah. I Could love be. that. Could yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. All right. You have a question, yeah. Cindy? No, I'm good. And just want to thank you for your ministry, Amen. for your book, Amen. for putting all Excellent. this perspective out there for us. I, I don't have kids, but um, I you're really sure, can appreciate You sure are good with kids, or you sure are good with minds. That's the thing I think people think when they're not um, a parent, that they're not having an impact on children, oh. whether it be your stepkids or your grandkids, a niece, nephew. I mean, my kids love Cindy, and she's not a grandparent to them. She's not a mom to them. She's not officially an aunt to them. You know what I mean? It so you can have an impact on kids. Beatrice mentors kids. Right now, Jen, you're tutoring a child through a ministry, through a yes. nonprofit. So love that. Again, the book is She Absolutely. Is Yours, Jonathan and Winter Pitts. Trusting God as you raise the girl he gave you. Your website? www.forgirlslikeyou.com. For girls like you, F-O-R, girls like you.com. Wonderful. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank, Thank you, Winter. Thank we'll be right you. back.
Hey, it's Angie. All right, a great, beautiful fall getaway. The elk, the colors, parties, kids' activities, and it's reasonably priced. Where? YMCA, the Rockies, uh, Snow Mountain Ranch, and also the Estes Park location. Uh, They've got some fall activities going on. There's going to be a Halloween party on October 28th if you want to plan ahead. It's reasonable. Some of my kids' favorites, there is the zip lining. There is the craft shop. They love the roller skating. There is rock climbing, uh, putt-putt, tennis. Uh, We spent our family reunion up there this summer, and it was mind-blowingly fun. And again, it's reasonable. That's why we go several times a year. YMCATheRockies.org. Sometimes my kids even cry when we leave because they're like, we're leaving our place. I'm like, it's our place still. We'll be back. We'll be back. YMCA therockies.org. You won't regret it. It's great to see the elk this time of year. So cool. All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC. And when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassadors. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303 238 Jane. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big, medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. Uh, a small, big, medium. Yes, they'll ma'am. bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the ma'am. number? 303 238 Jane. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303 238 Jane. Yes, 303 238 Jane. ArcThrift.org. Does Arc make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. He Arc special. ArcThrift.org. As are you, ma'am. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for Arc? I love. Welcome back to the good news. Well, the bad news is money and friends don't always mix, and it doesn't take a lot of money to end a friendship. But, of course, it is the good news. The good news is we have Dr. Melanie Ross-Mill. She's a friendship and relationship expert and licensed temperament therapist, and she is here to help us keep those friendships and hopefully keep some of our money as well. Welcome, Melanie. Hi, thank you for having me. Okay, so we all know that person with the alligator arms that can't reach the check or they have to run to the restroom when the bill comes or, you know, the friend or family member who wants to borrow money, but it puts a really creepy strain on the relationship. So why does owing money or being owed money put such a strain on relationships? Well, what we're finding from this recent report is that over 50% of people have witnessed or experience a division in friendship over money that's owed. And they're also avoiding, 56% are avoiding one another when they have a text or a call come in from this friend they owe money to. So it's not only causing stress and anxiety, it's causing division as well. All right. So, uh, you know, family members, oh, I mean, that can be something where, you know, you're stuck with them for the rest of your life, really. And, uh, you know, (laughs) you've got to figure that one out. So let's talk about how to navigate these awkward financial situations with uh, uh, family and friends. Right. Well, so what I do personally is I use the Bank of America app. And, for example, if you're buying a family gift and you know Cousin Stan never pays you back, you can all download the app. You go in and you press send, receive, or split. So it is eliminating a very large element that's causing stress in relationships immediately almost instantly. 
And that's one way that we can do it. We can also communicate. So if you know Cousin Stan might have crocodile arms, you can talk ahead of time about making a plan. And let's all split dinner tonight and pay for mom and dad or whatever that might be. So communicating is key as well. Okay. So communication is key. <clears throat> and I agree I mm-hmm. think that because it's awkward. So many people avoid it. But to me, friendships are so valuable. Why not do the extra work yeah. to keep that friendship? And okay. So do we just write the money off, Melanie? That's what sometimes I do. You just go, you know what? I'm just going to consider this a gift. Let's just write this off. Or do you ask them mm-hmm. to pay you back? Like how, how should we handle it according to the experts like you? Well, I think there's a definite difference between a gift and a loan. So when it is a loan, that's where the app comes in fabulously because you're able to send money person to person. When it is a gift, you give without any strings attached. So they're two different things. And I think just identifying which one is which, whatever the situation is, helps you eliminate unmet expectations or reach out and get the money that's owed you if you loaned it. And this is a great excuse to do it. All right, so we've got right now, um, you know, two different things. You just write it off or, you know, you loan it, and they're totally different. So when's the best time to pay back a friend or to ask to be paid back? Is there any protocol that goes along with this? I mean, I would think that, you know, there's also probably a technique to doing it to be as, uh, to minimize the offensiveness as much as possible, because I think the way some people ask for it can be friend-ending right there. Right. And so this gives us a way to do it in a more gentle way. And so we have a way to reach out to them through this app. You can put a note in there, for example, and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I owe you this $25 from last week's dinner. I forgot to pay you. Here it is. It's always a good time. There's never not a good time. That could be at three in the morning or 12 in the afternoon. Or let's say someone owes you money. You can do that as well and say, I know I lent you the $25. Here's an easy way you can pay me back. So you can take the awkwardness out of it actually by using this app. All right. And then, and how does it work exactly? Like, give me just a quick example of how we go about doing it. So you go in, I go into my Bank of America, and I can press send, receive, or split. If you have a different major bank, you can go through Zelle and press split sender or receive and it happens literally almost instantly so it's it's quick it's easy it's safe it goes from account to account so you're eliminating a middleman and what i love about it is it does give you a way to start this discussion especially if it's been something you have been avoiding which is what this report's showing us with statistics so we have a way to reach out let our friend know that we care and, and reconcile, even if you haven't talked in years because of a money issue, you can reach out and say, you know what, I want to make amends. I miss you. I want to hang out again. Here's the $5. That's all I can do right now. But let's get back on track, which also helps the person assume responsibility or you as well. All right. Well, that makes sense. And that seems very uh, low drama, which is always good. All right, Melanie. Where do- so you can go to bankofamerica.com slash friends again to learn more about this report and the statistics I was mentioning. And you can also learn more about this app, which will help start this discussion and bring friends back together. Excellent. Thanks so much, Melanie. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.